Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined once again by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand of the Star Tribune. We were just discussing off air before starting this podcast how it's been nothing but a weird season for the Vikings, and they go to a place where the games have been nothing but abnormal for them at Soldier Field on Monday night. Ben, what's the weirdest Vikings-Bears game we've covered there? Because you and I have been on this beat together seven, eight years, and yeah. just start this more conversationally than I typically do on these podcasts. What, what is the, what is the weirdest game we've covered? Cause to me, I think it might be the, the clocks going out. I always go back to that one. Yeah. Uh, 2015, Teddy, I think it was 2015, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, that was, uh, was 24. Oh, it was 14. Yeah. They won in 2015. Cause I think what, what receiver, what little known receiver Charles caught Johnson. a really important pass. What Charles Johnson. Yes. Got like a 45 yard. He had lost his job to Stefan Diggs and like kind of had his one sort of emerge from the from the from the crypt moment that day. And Walsh hit a field goal to win it for the second week in a row, I believe, after the uh, Rams game that has forever captivated my imagination. Um, weirdest game there, man. So this is my this will be my tenth trip there, and I could in good conscience, pick like three at least for this title. You could have the one where the clocks went out. Um, the first trip I ever took there, Adrian Peterson missed the bus to the stadium and had to take a cab to get there um, after uh, being late to the bus. And then there was kind of this pregame consternation about what's going on with Adrian. He was in the middle of the MVP season and all this stuff. They got blown out. That probably doesn't meet the the threshold it would either be the clocks coming out um 29 or 2017 with sam bradford playing the first half of that game looking like he had no business being on the field um in an injury situation that was so concerning that the vikings brought eric sugarman out to talk to us the next day from i think what is my only time on the beat i would put that in the conversation i would say Man, 2013 is in the conversation with the, the Jay Cutler throw it in the locker room at the end of the game afterwards when the Bears beat him. Uh, 16, Zimmer, the eye issue started there. North Turner quit the next day. 18, like they played terribly, and then Zimmer started ripping DiFilippo after the game. That was every time. Day. It's like every game. 19, they lose to Chase Daniel, and Stefan Dix goes AWOL for a couple days afterwards. I mean, last year they win. And it was normal-ish other than the empty stadium. But as I sit, I mean, maybe it's more than three. As I sit here and think through it, I guess I'd probably say either the clock's going out or the Bradford thing are the weirdest. But uh, you could put some other ones in the conversation. I, I, The weirdest game I ever saw there was actually as a spectator in 1999. Vikings went there. They were Their season was kind of teetering. This is, you know, after the year they almost made the Super Bowl. Jeff George is now taking over for Randall Cunningham at this point. Vikings, it's like the two or three days after Walter Payton has passed away. So they're there, and there's all this emotion in Chicago. It's this back-and-forth game. <clears throat> um, Vikings get it down. Chris Carter and, and Randy Moss have monster games, by the way. I think Moss goes, like, over 200 yards. Carter, Carter has, like, three touchdowns. It gets to... It gets down to uh, the end. Vikings have a 20-yard field. It's a windy day, by the way. I didn't mention that the Vikings, Denny Green, uh, kicked off to, at the start of the first half and the second half. 
He chose the mm-hmm. wind because it was a windy day, but he chose the wind in such a way that he was going against the wind in the fourth quarter. So they kicked off twice and we're going against the wind in the fourth quarter. Get down to the end. It's a tie game. Gary Anderson lines up for a 20-yard field goal. I went back and looked up a 20-yard field goal at the buzzer to win it. Missed wide left. And they get to overtime. You're thinking this thing is not going to go their way. The Bears get an interception. You're thinking this game's over. Chris Boniel misses a field goal. Vikings drive down. Gary Anderson makes like a 37-yarder that barely clears the crossbar. That's how little leg he had at that moment, and that's how windy it was. Vikings win 27-24. That is incredible. That That is incredible. 20-yard field goal missed. It's one thing at, after another um, with this Vikings team in Chicago, and, and I don't think we should be expecting anything different in a season like this where they could have a 29-0 lead on the Steelers, and they can still find a way to blow it and make it come down to the last play. Um, that I still think it's for me, I guess I'd forgotten the 2016 game where Zimmer scratches his corny. That starts off the whole. Yep. He had said that happened by him ripping a headset off, I think, in, in frustration. And he scratches his eye. And that leads to like, what was it, eight or nine eye surgeries he had? It was eight that year. And then, um, yeah, that was the last game North Turner coached. Was, and then I, they have like a, wasn't it like a weird thing that happened on a punt in that game? Or maybe like Andrew Sadejo had a run off of a, a fake punt for like 40 yards or something. I, I do think Sandejo was the leading rusher, actually. I think it was that bad. Um, I, yep. If I remember correctly, I think because of like some big, big fake punt, he ended up leading. Yeah, because I, I definitely remember going into that locker room and uh, Sandejo being asked about it and giving a very Sandejo-like answer. <laughs> that sounds about right. I'm going to take the high road like Denny, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Um, and then 15 was the one, my nomination early. That was the one when Teddy is trying to lead a game winning drive, uh, the clocks go out and then he lofts an interception thinking he has just seconds to go. And it turns out he has like 40 some seconds left and he absolutely did not need to do that. And we, it was the only time where we're sitting there in the press box and we all get issued printed out statements from like the clock managing company, whatever it was. Whatever company that manages the scoreboards for them explaining the error of why Teddy Bridgewater had no idea how much time was left uh, at the end of that game. Just phenomenal. Um, so how's it going to happen this time? What One of the questions we actually got in our mailbag was phenomenal. It was, um, what unprecedented way are the Vikings going to lose this game or something like that? <laughs> and that's a fair people, question. People are still worried about this after they win last year, huh? I mean, because they had some weird things happen in that game last year, too, and they still managed to pull it out. They did. They did. They won 19 to 13. Um, I'm trying to remember the weird things that happened. I remember Thielen bobbled an interception into a Khalil Mack pick. There was a Rudolph um, fumble too, I think. Um, something happened with Rudolph that that uh, ended up being kind of one of those only, this only happens here kinds of things. Yeah. Um, well, Ben, what, should this be any different with this Vikings offense? Because that Vikings offense was still, last year was, they've been, they were good, right? They've been yeah. uh, pretty prolific for a couple of years now. And last year, they still were dragged into the mud like Chicago does to opponents. They still were only held to 19 points. They had to win a 19 to 13 game uh, at Chicago. The one here in Minnesota was a little different, 33 to 27. They were able to get going a little bit more, but they still lost that game. Um, should we expect it to be any different? Because I guess this Bears defense, too, is not 
what it used to be. Cleo Max on IR, Akeem Hicks hasn't played since early November. Roquan Smith aggravated a hamstring injury. I'm trying to think who else is out for them. I think Danny Trevathan. All their coordinators. All their, oh, yeah. Thank you. All of their coaches and coordinators are out. And so maybe uh, if it's not Matt Nagy, maybe it's John Filippo calling offensive plays for them. I mean, that that would be the – it would be fitting, wouldn't it? I mean, because that that's where the whole thing went public in 2018 when that game gets moved to Sunday night. Cousins is in the huddle before the game saying, they're not the reason this game got flexed. We are. And they went out – Cousins was awful, and they ran the ball like nine times. They didn't have any room to run, but then Zimmer went – to the podium right after the game and said, we didn't run the ball enough. That's the big reason we lost. This had been an issue as we find out for weeks before that, but that's where the whole thing started to go public about uh, having too much stuff in the playbook, too much volume. Let's just run the routes that we know how to run. Let's not try to trick everybody when he'd just been talking about Matt Nagy and all of the, the volume in their playbook a couple of days before. So if I'll go with that, if, if, they are going to lose this game, and I don't think they are, but if they do, John Filippo potentially calling plays would, uh, after the, the, the Bears coordinators all go on the COVID list, and uh, new defensive coordinator Mike Pettin, by the way, um, possibly handling things on defense, I'll go with that, that all of these sort of uh, figures from past Vikings – chapters come back and converge to cost them the game <laughs> something weird like that yeah and mike i guess the same question to you i mean do, do you expect this to be any different when we too just saw was it monday night it was this past monday night where green bay put up 45 points and after struggling early eventually destroyed chicago's defense yeah i mean you look at it again it's it's this season you take nothing for granted but you know, a couple things. One, uh, while you guys were talking, I was fact-checking the Sandejo play was 2014. He was indeed their leading rusher at Soldier Field in 2014. That, that year they lost, lost that game as well. That was Teddy Bridgewater's rookie season. He was playing that game. Um, I think, you know, I think when we looked at the narrative at the start of the year with these games, we were like, ah, they're getting the Bears at the wrong time because you were thinking Justin Fields will have had a chance to settle in a little bit. And, you know, we didn't, you know, at the start of the year, I didn't think the Bears were going to be terrible. I didn't think they were going to be good. But, you know, now I feel like they're actually kind of catching the Bears to get them twice in the last, you know, four weeks is actually, you know, a boon to their, to their, op, you know, to their playoff chances, even though winning in Chicago has always been hard for them. But if, if they are going to lose, I, I like Ben's scenario. That's, that's a good one that the DeFilippo angle is a, is a big one. And let's not forget the Justin Fields angle too, because this was, a possibility, you know, at least was floated, reported that they had some interest in fields that they were talking about moving up to get him in the draft, which almost certainly would have signaled a shift in what direction they were going at quarterback. Kind of hard to imagine how this season might have turned out without Kirk Cousins, because I think he's been pretty far down on the list of any problems they've had. He's had a pretty good season, but, you know, you had that subplot to it as well. It is a uh, it's pretty juicy and uh, weird stuff always happens. Chicago, and you add to that, you know, Monday night, you know, prime time kind of situation, you know, it's going to be cold. I'm sure uh, this is a, uh, there's so many ways this could go is, is I guess how, is how I'll, how I'll end that little part. 
Yeah, Ben, Justin Fields will be linked to Rick Spielman, to George Payton, too, because both the Vikings and the Broncos, the Broncos more directly decided to pass on Justin Fields by taking Patrick Sertan. Uh, and then the Vikings have talked to teams like the Panthers about trading up into the top 10, also discussing uh, targeting Justin Fields, but ultimately decided not to. And the offers, at least that you saw coming out of Carolina, uh, weren't that great to be trying to move up to begin with. So uh, from what we'd heard, didn't seem like the uh, interest in Justin Fields was as zealous as it was reported, but then it is interesting with these guys coming together, Kirk and Justin Fields, the crossroads that they kind of stand at and have stood at uh, in the recent Yeah, past. yeah, it is. I mean, I, I, I'm with you, and we, you and I have heard some of the same things as we've reported this. They did try to go up and get Fields. Uh, there was also interest in going up to get Rashawn Slater. Ultimately, they decided the price was too rich, and it it wasn't going to be that crazy to move up to where the bears eventually took fields. I maintain that if you loved Justin Fields that much and everyone in your building felt the same way, which we've also heard that was not the case, but if it was, you do not let him end up in a spot where he's going to play against you twice a year. When all it would have taken is probably a couple of mid round picks to go up from 14 to 10 or 11 or whatever it was to go get him. Um, I don't think it was that, rabid of interest as it's been portrayed in some places that said if they had done it then you're talking about a domino effect that i think might have involved a trade of kirk cousins i i think that would have been certainly a big conversation through the summer i think that cousins camp would have looked at that as a possibility it would have had to happen after june 1st because of the cap ramifications of the whole thing but had they made the move that night to get fields, I, I think we would have been in a very different situation this season. And with the future of that position, obviously, if you take him, the, the future is going to look a lot different. But I, I don't think we would have had kind of the smooth, easy Cousins plays a year, keeps the seat warm, and then hand you know you do the handoff. I, I think it would have happened more abruptly than that. And I do find it interesting, um, Kirk, and I'm, I'm not – trying to read too much into this and just bring it up as an aside, but I, th- I thought it was funny, Kirk. Uh, I'd asked him about Justin Fields' impression of him. Kirk kind of gave one of his anecdote answers that really had nothing to do with Justin Fields. And then at the end just goes, yeah, you know, it seems like a good player, athletic, all these things. And it just yeah, kind of wanted, wanted, wanted to just kind of move on from that conversation. And yep. yeah, because it's a guy that um, certainly could have replaced you had the Vikings pulled the trigger on doing that. Uh, so, Ben, it is interesting that the Vikings, both Kirk Cousins and the Vikings defense, Mike Zimmer, they can all make themselves right by, uh, at least for a night, by making Justin Fields look poorly, uh, if they can do that. And his coach. Yeah, and John Filippo, if that's the coach, who's <laughs> calling plays. <laughs> that's true. Um, I, I, I think, too, um, with the, the crossroads of the quarterbacks, we got a lot of questions in the mailbag that we will get to about Kirk Cousins, the long-term future. Uh, that also includes a lot of questions about Mike Zimmer uh, and the direction of this franchise at seven and six. Um, but Ben, I wanted to take a little bit of time before we get to those questions to talk about a story you've been working on for some time about one of their players who was going to be here next year, uh, if not longer, uh, for this defense, and that's Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, so I just want to give the floor to you. And what are some of the interesting things you learned about him um, kind of reporting on this profile? Because he seems like one of the more interesting guys in that locker room. Yeah, he certainly is. I mean, he's got a little bit of the um, Stephen Willoughby thing in the sense of 
he's got a lot of interest that stretch beyond football. Um, was a three-time state champion wrestler in addition to um, playing football well enough to have offers from pretty much every major program in the country, including obviously Alabama, where he ended up going. Uh, but he had the option to go to Harvard as well. And his, his grades were good enough for them to be interested in him. This was not like a token, uh, oh, you're a, you're an athlete, so we'll, we'll lower the bar. I, I think he would have wrestled there, but he had a 4-4 GPA in high school and uh, an incredibly smart, incredibly engaging guy. Um, is an artist in his spare time. His, he likes to cook. I mean, a lot of these different things come from his family. His family actually is, is a big part of the story as well. Uh, family goes back in a small town in Georgia, southeast of Atlanta, Basically, until the Civil War, they built one of the first churches in that region founded by free slave, freed enslaved people, formerly enslaved people. And the street they grew up on is named Tomlinson Street. The high school was on Tomlinson Street. So this family has a long legacy in that in that town. And that family was really what got Dalvin through because his dad died at age five. Um Dalvin was five, I should say, obviously. Uh, and then his mom died from heart and kidney failure when Dalvin was 17. So by the time he is heading into his senior year of high school, uh, he, his parents are both gone. His brother had to drop out of school for a year to come back home and be his legal guardian. Uh, he told his mom the night before she died that he was going to go to Alabama and his first football game as a senior He's not able to share any of that with her. She's she was a presence at every football game he was at, working the concession stand. You know, parents would say, "Hey, don't you want to go watch your kids?" And she said, "I can see it from here, but I have a job to do. This is part of my role, and I'm going to stay doing this job in the concession stand because it needs to get done." So, um, pretty fascinating family, pretty fascinating guy, and uh, but yeah, been working on this one for a while, and a lot of what he does now, and this is a big part of it, is talking with kids who have gone through the same things and trying to help them grieve in a way that is productive and doesn't lead to other outcomes that lead to kids making decisions that get them in more trouble. He spends a lot of time just meeting with kids and say, Hey, I went through the same thing. I'm an NFL player. It may look like I have the whole world figured out, but I was without both of my parents by the time I graduated high school and I didn't let it, throw me off course you can get through this too if you learn how to how to process it and, and learn how to grieve in a way that is is productive and ultimately helpful so uh, that's the Sunday story and yeah looking forward to people getting a chance to read that one it's been a fun one to, to learn more about him and put it together and the Vikings have found a way to have find some of these renaissance men almost I guess if that's a, all in that room too all yeah. in that defensive line room <laughs> had a lot of fascinating guys in that room yeah, because that's a good good poll with Stephen Weatherly certainly being one of them, and, and Dalvin yep. Tomlinson. Um, yeah, please check out that story. Uh, it'll it'll go on our website at searchview.com on Saturday evening. It'll be up there after that. Certainly, you can find it in the newspaper on Sunday, um, in Sunday's Star Tribune. Uh, let's get to some questions. The mailbag. We got a lot of questions to get to, so I want to give us some time to do that. Um, and I want to start with one because we've been discussing uh, Kirk Cousins. Our buddy Neil from London wants to know, it's a three-parter on Kirk. Um, and I think some of the early parts will be quick, but he says, if you were to range 
set a range on how Vikings fans view Kirk Cousins among NFL quarterbacks in terms of ranking him? Uh, what is the most pessimistic and most optimistic ends of that range do you think that, that Kirk Cousins would be viewed at? And he offers about, about maybe the fifth best quarterback in the NFL, which I think is a little high. And he says the worst is about 15, uh, which seems about right. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Seems pretty close to me. I think five is a little high, right? Although if you look at, I think he's the third highest graded quarterback in pro football focus this year right now. He he winds up with a pretty good PFF grade every year. No, kind of whatever he's doing, PFF likes. Um, yeah, I'd say optimistic Vikings fans probably would say more like that seven to eight range is probably like his his ceiling and that his his floor is yeah, probably right around like right around the middle, 16, 17. Um, so maybe drop drop both of those a little bit. I think the you know the problem is you don't always like e- even if you agree on that range, you the, he he plays to that full spectrum a, a lot of times. And I think in that Pittsburgh game was a good example. And Andrew and I, you and I talked about that on on daily delivery for the film review earlier this week, where he's just you know makes some beautiful throws, incredible throws, but also just some head scratching plays. And again, in prime time. Didn't get it right. We can't overlook, too, the fact that he just doesn't generally play very well in these primetime games. That's another opportunity coming up here against Chicago and another couple weeks, another opportunity in Green Bay. Um, so I, I think that I think the range is right. I think the problem with Kirk is that he plays to that full range. It's not just static. It's not just how you it's not just your impression of him. Yeah. Ben, is that range about correct or what would you offer? I would have a hard time putting it as low as 15. Um, I, as high as five, I think I'd have a problem doing that as well. I mean, you go through it. It's some of it is that some of the names that were above him have retired. I mean, Drew Brees is gone. Peyton Manning has been gone now for a few years, but you, you have Roethlisberger, I think probably would have been a guy for a while that was above him, but you can't put him there anymore. Um, You'd have Mahomes, you'd have Brady, you'd have Rogers, you'd have, I mean, probably Lamar Jackson when he's good, but Russell Lamar, Wilson, Russell Wilson, you'd still put there. Um, Kyler Murray, you know, I, I think um, Matthew yeah, Stafford, but, Justin Herbert. I mean, it, it, it kind of depends yeah, on where, what you think of him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on the day. I mean, Stafford, probably um, Herbert, I think, but you know, again, you, you have guys after a year or two, sometimes Carson Wentz looked like he was going to take a league over his second year as a starter, and then they don't pan out. So I would have a hard time putting him that low, uh, just given some of the number of bad quarterbacks we've seen and given the fact that he's, start, he's got the benefit of time now in the sense that you've seen he can be productive. What he doesn't do is put you over the top in situations where they need him to do that almost by himself. Uh, he's, you know, the, the, the concept of the, tier, the quarterback tiers that Mike Sander does every year that thing of can you go win a game without help? That's how he defines the tier one guys. I, I don't think people would put him there. So um, he typically gets ranked tier three in that thing. I think you probably nudge him more toward tier two, given the way he's played. You know, I think probably somewhere between seven and 12. So I, I, I take a little bit off each end of that range. And so, yeah, so he says, number two, part of this question is, if that's the range, more or less, which we seem to agree it is, then 
aren't they in the same situation as when they paid Kirk Cousins in the first place? It's too risky to blow all their other talent on a rookie quarterback right now, especially without a high draft pick. And they seem to have no other obvious plan or outside candidate. So aren't they in the same spot they were coming off of, and maybe even in a lesser spot because that roster wasn't as strong now as it was in 2017 when you were coming off an NFC championship game appearance. So I was going to say, I don't think the roster is as talented as that one was. So are they closer to, yeah, it almost sounds like we're saying that closer to a rebuild than they are kind of going after another quarterback that can transcend this roster right now. I think so. That That's, that's my impression. I mean, when you just look at the age and just kind of where they've gone in the last two, three years, you know, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs this year, that'd be three out of four years. They didn't make the playoffs. Guys on defense aren't getting any younger. You're imagining, you know, guys are still expensive though. So it, it to me feels a lot closer to a rebuild than it does anything else at this point. And it's, and that goes to, you know, also a lot of the, the job discussion that we probably have about Mike Zimmer and, and Rick Spielman. And the third part of this question is then why would you move on from Kirk just when Aaron Rodgers may be finally leaving in essence, him saying is their best chance to win, not just holding on to Kirk right now as the landscape changes in the division. Ben, what do Should you think? Should pick a division title in other words? <laughs> yes, basically, I guess. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think I was thinking through this last week when the Packers effectively clinched a tie for the division and probably uh, for all intents and purposes clinched the division. I think this is year 20 of the NFC North. And I think, I think my math was right. This will be the Packers 12th division title Vikings and bears each have four and the lions also played. Um, yeah, I mean, if you could, if you get to a point where the, the constants that the Packers have had are not in their favor anymore in terms of a Hall of Fame quarterback just about every week, um, yeah, I mean, I get the point, I guess, but because I, I don't, I don't know that we know enough about Jordan Love to sit there and think they are going to be that good with him. And the Packers have their own questions, their own cap issues, their own egos to manage. Devontae Adams probably comes into that mix somewhere. So, I mean, yeah, I could see that argument. It's, it's just, it's going to be, I think a lot of it is going to come down to what happens with the people making these decisions, because the people that would have the least interest in a blow it up and start over would be Mike Zimmer and Rex Spielman, because I don't think they're going to come out of this season. If they stay with kind of a clean slate of, okay, you guys proved it. Let's take a step back. Let's start this thing over. We trust that if you're given another three or four years, you're going to build this thing back to where it was and we can make a run. I, I just, I don't know where in this season you'd find the grounds for that kind of a mandate. I just, I don't see it. So I think if you're bringing them back, you're probably in the situation again, where you're kind of just trying to nudge it forward and pass holes and try to win and, and hope you get it. Um, that maybe is the scenario that he's talking about. You can cherry pick a division title, especially if Rogers is gone. But if you fire everybody, you're asking somebody then to come in and love Kirk Cousins enough to probably sign him to a new deal and build around him for the next three or four years. Short of that, you're either saying trade him or let's play it out. We're not going to be picking high enough to get a quarterback. It's not a good quarterback class anyway, and let's move on from there. So I think a lot of this question has to do with what happens in the next few weeks, and that'll probably determine a lot of where it goes. And I I also want to, 
kind of dig into one part of that last part of this question where he says when Rodgers may finally be leaving next year. I don't know about you guys, but it seemed to me a lot more of a certainty in August and July that Aaron was gone after 2021 in Green Bay. Then all of a sudden they turned around and traded for Randall Cobb, seemed to do everything, a lot of what they wanted, what Rodgers wanted them to do personnel-wise, uh, helped him hide the fact that he wasn't vaccinated by allowing him to do in-person uh, press conferences when all the other unvaccinated players were doing Zoom calls. Uh, all these other different things, the way the season's gone, I'm not, I guess I wouldn't be too shocked if he stuck around, if he wasn't gone after this year. They certainly accommodated him more. Um, I think he got some of what he wanted there. He didn't get the trade. He didn't get new money, really. So, um, you know, that, but that may be a sign that they are interested in trying to work it out with him. I, I don't know that Jordan loves one game. I mean, that was part of what led the Packers to be ready to move on from Favre after 2007. As Rodgers had that game in Dallas, I think on a Thursday night where he looked great and you thought, okay, he's ready. I, I don't think Jordan loves one start in Kansas City and gave you the same impressions uh, that you could use to then move on from Rodgers. So, and, and Rodgers is still better. I mean, Favre had a great, I think, last year in Green Bay, but Rodgers is still better than Favre was at that point. And he hasn't dragged them through the yo-yo thing of, I'm going to retire, I'm not going to retire, all this stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I can see them trying to work it out with him. We'll see if he's got the appetite for that or not. Oh, especially if they end up going far or reach a Super Bowl. If they reach another Super yeah. Bowl, if you're Rodgers, you might be thinking, ah, all right, maybe this is the best place for me to maximize my talent. I just, I guess, I don't know. It, it, maybe he still thinks after seeing what Brady did that, no, I can go handpick my yeah. own kind of tailor-made offense. Um, yeah, there's your last dance parallel again. Yeah. Yeah. It just, <laughs> I'll be interested. It's going to be a fascinating offseason. If you're a Vikings fan, don't, uh, don't go sitting around spending your whole offseason counting on it, though. I would say that because I think a lot of Vikings fans got excited about that proposition last summer and it never came to fruition. There were people in the Vikings building that were excited about that oh, proposition. Sure. I'm sure. I had that conversation with a few of us that we were watching that very closely. Interesting. <laughs> it could only get rid of Stafford in one offseason. Couldn't get rid yeah. of Stafford and yeah. Rodgers. Stafford's given them trouble, too. So. Well, you can study that one here in a couple and, of weeks. And now he might still, you know, he might still drive a stake through their playoff hopes anyway. Yeah, hit, well hit, him and, and they Aaron. still lost to the Lions. And they still lost to the Lions. Sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. I was going to say him and Aaron Donald. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, um, Lee wants to know, would it be subplots more beneficial? Galore. Sorry, what was that? Then subplots galore. Yes. Lee would like to know. Would it be more beneficial for the Vikings to fire Mike Zimmer with two weeks left in the regular season and get a head start on head coaching searches instead of waiting until after the season? Ben, you've talked about the rule change this year. Uh, would it be of the Vikings' best interest to take advantage of that? It's an interesting proposition. I, the only thing I think you have a hard time there is you have to know what you're doing with the GM. If you are going to go interview head coaches, with Rick Spielman possibly also being out of a job, that doesn't make any sense. And if you haven't made a decision on Rick Spielman, I don't think you're going to let him go do interviews. So, um, I mean, you could try to get the coach in place, I suppose, and then go find the GM after that. We've seen teams do that to some degree, but that doesn't seem like the way the Vikings would want to do it. 
And I don't know that without Rick being out of a job that he would just be like, Oh yeah, I understand that you guys want to hire or go interview coaches and you're going to get rid of me, but you haven't done it yet. I, I just don't see that that works. I, I think the rule is beneficial. I think it helps teams that may want to get a head start on things. It helps coaches get their names out there, especially if they're going to be on playoff teams. But the weird thing with the Viking scenario would be who's doing the interviews. That, that I guess would be my big question. Yeah, we got to figure out who's going to be interviewing Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore for the uh, open Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> Hear me <laughs> out, Coach GM Urban Meyer. No, <laughs> just no. kidding. No, I mean, first of all, it never happened and in a million no, years. Just, just no. a joke. Just a joke. He's he's going to be you too busy. To put up with it every day. It's not funny. <laughs> sorry, sorry. He's he's going to be too busy back down there and. Ohio State when Ryan Day takes some kind of NFL job or something. Yeah, yeah they're exactly. Rolling, they're rolling out the red carpet for him down there in uh, Columbus or wherever it is. Um, all right, what do we got? Vikes fans wants to know, is it Just basically – that hard thing too. <laughs> Vikes fans wants to know, is it basically NFC championship or everyone is fired for the Viking? Um, he wants to know, uh-huh. what, is that, what is that standard – uh, they're going to have to reach this year that that level of the playoffs for for this to um, for the continuity to stay. I think there's a step in between, isn't there? I mean, I don't feel like I don't know. I mean, I don't think they went into the season thinking this was an NFC Championship game kind of roster. I mean, maybe I mean maybe the Wilfs have been patient enough and said, okay, this is you know this is the level we think we should be at. But you know, let's not all forget like you know the last two years have been pretty strange i don't know what kind of grace is still being afforded but you know or what you know what kind of hall pass they got for 2020 but i still think that if they made the playoffs and won a game that that might do it i don't know that's just that's kind of what that's kind of where i start and i don't and i don't even think making the playoffs and then losing a close first round game makes it an automatic firing what do you guys think i'm with you I think if they get in, they win one. Uh, I think it's going to be hard for them to move on from anybody. I I don't I don't know where you go. I just I don't know where you look at the roster and the cap situation they're in and say, yeah, we're we're going to be able to kind of take that next step. I mean, weird things happen, I suppose, but um, I I think it, you'd have a hard time convincing yourself that it's headed that way. But still, when the Vikings could go to ownership and say, Hey, we we've won two playoff games in three years. Um, Cause we can all do this where we take this selective window of time and, and apply it to our advantage. Um, I think they would keep them. Yeah. I, I think if they got into one, I think they'd stay. I, if they get in at all, I mean, it's easier to get in than ever. So that's probably a little bit less impressive, but yeah, if they got in one, yeah, I think everybody stays. And I get, I guess thinking about it more, I agree with you guys only in the sense that because of if they got in, it would have to be as obviously like the seventh seed. And then that would mean them going and winning at like Tampa Bay or yep. them winning at Dallas or somewhere where theoretically it would be an, an impressive playoff. Win. Yep. This isn't going to beat the Washington football team or, or whatever. No, um, you're not getting Yeah. So, so I think that's probably the most – I think one could do it if you're beating Tom Brady at home in the playoffs or something like that. Certainly, mm-hmm. that, that yeah. would make a lot more sense. But um, you know, now that we're talking about that, let's let's make it clear: like their 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 odds on various <clears throat> sites of getting in right now are right around 30, 33 percent. 
and then you'd put their odds of winning, getting in and winning another, winning a game, maybe like 35% in that game, you know, probably a pretty heavy underdog. So we're talking about like a 10% probability of both of those things happening at this point. And Michael Griffin has a great question, not the former Titans and Vikings safety, but uh, a follower on Twitter has a great question, wants to know um, who were the best defensive ends on the team and why is it Sheldon Richardson and Kenny Willekes? So that question right there says all we need to know probably about why this team is probably not going to be beating Tom Brady in the playoffs. Um, but do you agree with that, Ben? Is it Kenny Willekes and Sheldon Richardson is the best defensive yeah. ends on the team? Right now, yes. Um I, I agree with that, and it, it's not a. Oh, well, Kenny Willekes has played okay, but yeah, I mean, we're sitting here doing that thing. Of, well, this guy's had some flashes, and you know, Armand Watts has had some moments. I mean, you, you're going with that, um, but I I would put the very scientific Ben Gessling gut feel index <laughs> at high, much higher than thirty percent that they get in. I would put it somewhere north of sixty that they get. Wow. In. <clears throat> Wow. I think they're the best team of this five. I think they'll beat the Bears twice, and I, I think they'll find a way to split those two other games. I, I don't know which one they take. I and mean, going to Green Bay on a January night is, is a lot to ask, but um, I think they get in. And uh, wouldn't stun me if they go play well against somebody and win. Is this just motivated by your desire for tacos? You think you're, uh, I do like you're, you're trying to will yourself into this taco bet? No. Well, okay. So if they were to get in and they win, I mean, them getting in and winning a game is probably what it's going to take for us to win the taco bet. Yes. Yeah. Cause of, well, the Gophers have, well, the Gophers have eight, right? Didn't that what they wind up with yeah, in the regular what, season? What, What's yes. That? They have eight. We, Good. What's the guaranteed rate bowl? How are we feeling about West that? Virginia that they're both, they'll be favored in that game. So the, the, Gophers are going to get to eight or nine, and the Vikings are probably going to get to eight or nine. It's a, it's a great, it's another great taco bet yep, year. Yep, yeah, it is. It's it's like uh, 2019. But if, if the Vikings get to ten, though, I am mathematically eliminated. So there you right. go. Yeah. So if they if they run the table, you run the table for tacos. You control your own taco destiny, as we, we do all do. Control our own taco <laughs> destiny. Um, and with a playoff game potentially, they could put it out of reach. Yeah. What if they won four playoff games? Yeah, the wow, the sports prognostic. You're you're oh. buying tacos the entire run because we will be exhausted. Yeah. Uh, if, if they if they make it to the Super Bowl, I will buy you guys tacos every week. If not, every I was going to say I I think we should amend this to say if they get past ten, you have to pay us tacos for every win the rest of the way. Wow. Wow, I, I'm I'm fine with that because I don't think they're going to do that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean that'd be and, a lot, but and the and the and the downtown uh, the Skyway location just reopened. So yeah, I'm very happy your, about that. Yeah, very happy about that. This week it was very emotional. That. Was very emotional. And the sports prognostication business has gotten a lot uh, more fraudy uh, with COVID now too. We've got 40 minutes in this podcast without mentioning COVID. So us trying to depict how many wins the Vikings are going to have or how far they're going to go in the playoffs. Who knows if it's Kellen Mond starting a bunch of games for them at the end of the year, or if it's uh, who's the backup in Tampa Bay? Um, I knew this. I think it's Blaine Gabbert. I actually think it's Blaine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think it's Blaine Gabbert because they drafted Kyle Trask out of Florida, but he's like their third. So it's the same situation. The Vikings have basically with the third round pick. Yeah. So so we get to it. Don't the Vikings have Sean Mannion though? 
Yeah, yes. So that's what Ben's saying. It's the okay. same exact situation. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. And so so the Vikings could have a playoff game against Tampa Bay where because of COVID, it's it's Blaine Gabbard against Kellen Mond or Sean Mannion or whomever. Um, so we they really could. have no idea, but we've made it 40 minutes in this podcast without mentioning the fact the Vikings have six players on the COVID list, four coaches on the co- at least four coaches on the COVID list, um, including their senior defensive assistant, Paul Gunther. They have three strength coaches uh, who tested positive as well. So their weight room is being manned by their head strength coach and what Mike Zimmer described as a bunch of helpers. I I don't know if that's just like volunteers from the cafeteria staff or what exactly that looks like, but this is life in the NFL with COVID with everybody getting sick and going home. The Vikings have had the most players on the COVID list since the beginning of November um, with 20 or 16. And then they've had 22 for the entire year. Um, So who knows what the last month is going to look like for this team, because Alexander Madison, DD Westbrook, were the biggest names placed on that list. And that list has included Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, quite a few guys from this team already. Uh, Mike, why don't you go ahead and read the... Uh, yeah. I was say you, you, set it up, you set it up perfectly because it starts, considering the games missed from injuries and COVID, I'd argue the Vikings' struggles stem from a lack of depth more than anything else. Blame Zimmer, blame Kirk, fine but the front office's late round draft and free agent misses are a bigger factor. I cannot disagree with any of that. Um, Sometimes I like to disagree with chicken fingers 69, but he's, this is kind of the thing we've been saying about the roster all years. That is perilously top heavy. And in the year where they've had some key injuries and had some key absences from COVID. And I think in some cases, the depth has proven to be a little bit better than I thought it would be, but even, you know, Big picture, they've just run up to run up all sorts of problems on the defensive line in the secondary. They just don't have enough quality depth. They've got bodies, but um, the roster they've put together and they're not getting enough from the draft picks or particularly from a lot of those free agents they signed, uh, you know, those one year deal guys. Yeah, and Ben, I guess I think we, you and I have talked about a lot about how it's just their, their pipeline kind of dried up on them. What, yeah. what made them such a, a good team in terms of having that depth, what seemed like in 15, 16 in moments, 2017, even into 2018, um, was you had undrafted guys come up like C.J. Ham develop into a starter, Eric Wilson develop into a starter, um, Anthony Harris Anthony. Develop, develop, yeah, develop into a starter, and then you didn't have to pay them. And then when time came to pay them, you made the mistake by tagging Anthony Harris. But other than that, they, they let – they paid Ham. They let Wilson walk. They eventually let Harris go. And you haven't had the guys kind of step up behind them. Um, Tyler Conklin's good, but should he be a starting tight end right now? I mean, probably not. Probably not. So it's stuff like that where the guys who are playing over their skis a little bit are, are getting exposed in moments. You're seeing the depth and lack of depth at positions like corner where Dantzler, Boyd, uh, Breland, a free agent signing has not been great. Um, it's me that pipeline. He's not on the roster. Let us not forget. Nor is Mike Hughes. And so it's just totally dried up on them. And some of these key positions, especially as as they talk about corner and pass rush, um, you're looking at answers, uh, both of those positions. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that probably doesn't get talked about enough. How many of these draft picks haven't panned out to the degree that they hoped. And from what I've heard, that was a, a source of frustration 
with Mike Zimmer in the draft room this year when they traded back. And especially when those pass rushers are going off the board, Jalen Phillips, Quiddy Pay, guys they liked a lot. Zimmer was getting fired up. And one of the things from what I understand that he was saying is I don't need every third day draft pick. I don't need every seventh round draft pick on the roster. I need some guys that can play right now. And this draft has not produced that for the most part. So uh, Wangu certainly looks like he's a guy that can, can help you out quite a bit. And he has helped them out quite a bit, but um, they have not hit on a lot of those picks in the last few years. And I think they've paid the price for that because if you're going to have a top heavy roster, you have to be able to supplement with cheap labor everywhere else. And they haven't been able to do that. Um, the, as we're recording this, the Bears just announced they placed six players on the reserve COVID-19 list, including receiver Allen Robinson, safety Eddie Jackson, tight end Jesse James, uh, and then a few depth players. So COVID just keeps uh, keeps spreading. And they've also got, I think, seven players with non-COVID illnesses on the team right now. Um, so who knows who's going to make it to Monday? The Vikings, I don't think, have added any players on the COVID list since Tuesday. They had the six players they put on it Monday and Tuesday of this week. Uh, but Zimmer said they're out of the enhanced COVID protocols as a team as of today. Um, that would indicate that they've had a couple clean rounds of testing. Um, but the Bears are really dealing with it right now. So I just wanted to get that in there. Um, yeah. I think, and, I think the Bulls had a bunch of it too, didn't they? They did. They did. Um, I think they had to shut some stuff down. Um, yeah. Bulls have to miss not, a couple games. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's just insane. Um, yeah, Mike, so did you have any final thoughts just on the chicken fingers statement? No, I just, I think he's right. Um, I, and I think there's enough blame to go around this year. I certainly think, you know, Zimmer deserves his share for some in-game decisions. And Kirk, you know, I think Kirk, by and large, has played pretty well this year, but he's maybe slipped a little bit lately as well. I mean, plenty, plenty of guys to, uh, to, to share the blame, but this, the roster construction, the draft, the free agent approach, um, you know, whether it was all fueled by Rick or, you know, in tandem, some with Zimmer, go get me this guy, go get me, go get me that guy. Um, the roster construction has been flawed and the draft process the last two, three, four years, there's been a lot of swings and misses. A lot of draft picks on that weekly inactives list for the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. We'll, we'll yep. see who's on it and who's available on Monday night in Chicago. That's where we'll talk to you from next from Soldier Field. Please check out all of our work at Star Tribune. Maybe you should get off the podcast.